Thank you, gentlemen. Good morning. My name is Rufus Williams, and it's my privilege to bring the word to you this morning. For those of you who don't know me, I'm married to Chris Williams, who um, teaches Sunday school to your fourth and fifth graders during the second service. She's out there right now. And um, Chris and I met in high school here at Armio in Fairfield, and uh, we married shortly thereafter. We have three adult children, Brandon, who's now married to Annika, Brianne, and Brent, who is engaged to be married this summer to Phoebe. This summer will also be our 30th wedding anniversary. Yep. Lord willing, if we make it to June 25th. So, When our youngest child, Brent, was 14 years old, he decided he wanted to run a half marathon, 100% on his own. I'm not a runner, and neither is Chris. He started running to prepare for the race, and he'd run with a group from his school a couple times per week, but mostly he ran on his own to train for the race. When the day came for the race, he finished in two hours, 27 seconds. He finished in the top 31% of all the runners in the race, and there was like 4,000-something runners. I was so proud of him. He did it. I couldn't stop telling him how proud I was of him. Of course, he's 14, and he's like, leave, leave me alone, right? So, But when he heard his time, all he could say was, I would have run faster if I'd known I was so close to being under two hours. But he'd still succeeded in my mind. He finished the race. And it was just as difficult as he had expected it to be. It wasn't easy, and it wasn't over quickly. It took preparation and perseverance for him to finish the race, for him to endure to the end. The same is true for us as Christians when it comes to running the race of faith. We must run with endurance. And this is the main point of the message today. Let's look at the passage together in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. Follow along with me as I read. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word and 
I pray that you would use it to sanctify us this morning as your people. I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, that you would convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. I pray, Father, that you would exalt and magnify Jesus in each of our lives and that you would give me strength. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, before we jump into this passage, I need to point something out to you, and that is that at the very beginning of verse 1, there's a therefore. And anytime you see a therefore, you need to ask yourself, what's it there for, right? Some of you have heard that before. Let's see. So that therefore directs us back to a previous point that the author made in chapter 11. And we're told that we are recipients of the promises that have been made to the saints of old, who he describes as the great cloud of witnesses, right? So in chapter 11, verses 39 and 40, it reads, all of these, that is this great cloud of witnesses, these saints, these believers, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Therefore, or in light of the enduring faith of these old covenant saints, this great cloud of witnesses and the promises that we have now received in Christ, we are commanded to endure in the faith, to run the race with endurance that is set before us. And this is the first thing that I want us to see in this passage. The Christian life of faith is a race of endurance. The Christian life of faith is a race of endurance. The text says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Well, of course it says that. No one approaches a half marathon or marathon with the attitude that it will be quick and easy, right? We all know that long races take endurance, and so it is with our faith. But for some reason, we need to be reminded again and again, we are in a race of endurance, not a sprint or a walk. In 1 Corinthians 9.24, Paul writes, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. And in 2 Timothy 4, 7, near the end of his life, he wrote, The time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I believe it is important to emphasize this point because in our culture, we expect everything to be easy. We are surrounded by comfort and convenience. And I'm afraid we've allowed this mindset to affect our perspective on our faith in Christ. We are never told that following Christ will be easy or convenient. In fact, we are told just the opposite. Faith in Christ is not a cakewalk. It's not a one-time decision or an occasional Sunday punch card, or a short-term season 
or phase of our lives. It is a race. It is a race that began when you came to faith in Christ, and it does not end until the day he returns or calls you home to be with him. If you are trusting in Christ today, then prepare your mind for the reality that you have embarked on a lifelong, long-distance race of endurance. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So, how do we run this race of faith with endurance? How do we run this race of faith with endurance? Well, I'm going to give you a couple of ways, a couple of things that I believe this passage tells us. And just up front, I'm going to tell you, I know some of you are super into physical fitness and you like run miles every week and ride bikes all over the town. I see you, you know. I don't, but I can still borrow terms from fitness for this sermon. So that's what I'm doing. I'm not one of those 50-mile bike rider people. So fitness, how do we run this race of faith with endurance? First, spiritual fitness. In this text, we read, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. This means being intentional about eliminating things from our lives that hinder our faith, offend Christ, and rob us of our joy. Do you give much thought to your, your spiritual fitness? Or do you spend more time thinking about your physical fitness? Or comfort? Or do you just go through the motions of life and maybe you think about Jesus once a month on a Sunday? Obeying this verse will take more effort than that. We must view our spiritual fitness as more important than our physical comfort or even our physical fitness. Otherwise, we won't run with endurance. We are told to lay aside two things in this verse. First, the text reads, every weight. Other versions translate this as encumbrance or everything that hinders. This means anything that serves to slow you down in the race or anything that hinders you from running at your best pace. These are things in life that may not be sin in and of themselves, but certainly don't help us or encourage us in our faith. This can be everything from your job to relationships, entertainment, hobbies, food, drink, some things that start good can turn bad, and some things can become sin in our lives or lead to sin if we are not on guard. Food and drink are good, but can turn to gluttony and drunkenness when left unchecked. Some relationships encourage us in our faith, and others discourage us or lead us away from Christ. Some jobs might drain us of all our energy, time, and attention and demand compromising behavior from us, which makes it virtually impossible for us to run with endurance. We must be willing to lay aside these weights 
these hindrances and encumbrances in order to run with endurance. We must be willing to change jobs, cancel social media accounts, break off relationships, uninstall apps, and even ask others to hold us accountable when it comes to how much we eat, drink, or play video games. Now that might sound trite or old-fashioned to some of you. To others, you might just feel uncomfortable because I'm belaboring this point. But when is the last time you took an honest look at your life in an effort to remove things that hinder, hamper, or weaken your faith? When is the last time that you took a look at your life in an effort to remove the things that hinder, hamper, or weaken your faith? The second thing that we're told to lay aside in this text is sin. Sin which clings so closely. It can also be translated so easily entangles or, or so easily besets us. In case this truth has never crossed your mind, sinning is the most natural thing that a human being can do. It is the most natural thing that you can do. It takes less effort to sin against God than to obey him, which means that we must be vigilant in setting aside the sin in our lives that wraps itself around our feet and legs, and it only serves to trip us up in the race. Verse 4 of this chapter reads, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. In fact, most of us hardly struggle at all. We bend like a blade of grass under the slightest breeze of temptation. We must change our mindset and adopt a perspective of striving against sin, of training our minds and bodies to live in obedience to Christ. Lay aside the sin that clings so closely to you. Anxiety, rage, bitterness, envy, jealousy, gossiping, sexual immorality, which includes fornication, adultery, pornography, and self-gratification. Greed, deceit, gluttony, drunkenness, intellectual arrogance, pride, ultimately pride, the exaltation of ourselves above others and God. The sin that entangles you that clings so closely to you is an offense to Christ. It quenches the Holy Spirit in your life and it sucks the joy of the Lord right out of your life. 
after writing about running to win the race, in 1 Corinthians 9.27, Paul writes, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. In order to run the race with endurance, we must train ourselves for the race. We must set aside the unnecessary things that weigh us down and the sin that clings so closely to us and entangles itself around us. We must be willing to fast and pray and confess and repent. And we must be ready to do so again and again because the truth is that we are all prone to spiritual laziness. And sin does not release its hold upon us easily. So how do we run this race of faith with endurance? First, fitness, spiritual fitness. Second, focus, focus. Verse 1 reads, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. This can be translated looking to, fixing our eyes upon, or gazing upon Jesus. This means meditation upon Christ and his work. Time in the word. Worship of Christ around his table with his people, and in our personal devotions. We are told in this passage that he is the founder and perfecter of our faith. The founder and perfecter of our faith. It could also be translated author and perfecter, pioneer and perfecter, author and finisher. The idea here is that he is the one from which our faith originates. Yes, he is the founder of our faith in the sense that he started it. But he is the one who begins it in us and perfects it in us. Our faith is his handiwork. He ultimately is the finish line of our faith. But he is also the finisher of our faith. He is the object of our faith. And he is the goal of it. To run with endurance, we must fix our gaze upon him. We must focus upon him, the one who suffered on our behalf and who is now seated on the throne in heaven. You see, we believe in a real person named Jesus, who is God in the flesh. A man who suffered the shame of a real death, death on a cross as our sin-bearing substitute, and he was buried in the grave. Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. The joy of the resurrection 
the joy of accomplishing the work of salvation, the joy of glorification and exaltation at the right hand of God the Father. He endured for us. Verse 3 reads, Consider him, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary and faint-hearted. Or faint-hearted. Consider him. Meditate on what he endured as you run the race of faith. Contemplate the difficulty that he faced in the angry mob that crucified him. And remember that while he despised the shame of the cross, he was propelled beyond it by the joy on the other side. As we focus upon Jesus, as we gaze upon him in faith, his strength becomes our strength, his endurance, our endurance, and his joy becomes our joy. So how? How do we run this race of faith with endurance? By laying aside the weight and sin in our lives and by gazing upon Jesus through spiritual fitness and focus. But why is this important? Finally, why? Is it important that we run with endurance? Because the one upon whom we gaze is the resurrected and exalted Lord of all who is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And he will come again one day as the righteous judge of all humanity. He is the one to whom each one of us will give an account. Why is it important to run with endurance? Simply put, because our salvation and sanctification are at stake. The promises of salvation and eternal joy in the scriptures are for those who endure or persevere to the end in faith. This does not contradict being saved by grace through faith. It reinforces it. Because saving faith is an enduring faith, an abiding faith in Christ, in the founder and perfecter of our faith. Persevering faith sees Jesus at the finish line of the race, but also as the ever-present Lord of our faith. He started this faith within us, and his aim is to perfect it in us. In Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13, we're told, Work out your salvation, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. This should be a sobering and motivating reality to us. 
We are called to run the race of faith with endurance, to lay aside every weight and sin as we gaze upon Jesus, because the goal of God in Christ is to conform each of us to his image. And our desire should be to reflect him in our lives. Even as we struggle through various trials and difficulties in this world, we should seek to emulate him in our character and our actions. 2 Timothy 4.8, just after Paul said that he had finished the race and kept the faith, he wrote, There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all those who love his appearing. Ultimately, it will be Jesus who judges us and rewards us according to our faith. It will be Jesus Christ who will return for all those who love him and have loved his appearing. It will be Jesus who radiates with power through each of us when he returns and raises us from the dead in eternal glorified bodies. Because he is our savior and sanctifier, because he is our founder and perfecter, the author and finisher of our faith, we ought to desire to obey him, to worship him, to submit to him, to run with endurance this race that is set before us. As we do so, we will be filled with his love and joy, his peace and patience, his kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He wants us to be conformed to his image, partakers of his holiness. Not because he's trying to keep us from experiencing life, but because he wants us to experience real life, him. He wants to set us free from the trappings and deceitfulness of sin and fill us with himself. If you are a believer this morning and there is no joy in your life, then perhaps it is because you have not been running this race with endurance. Perhaps you've been seeking joy and fulfillment apart from Christ. Or you just haven't been giving him much thought. We are so quick to look everywhere else but to him. Everywhere else but to Jesus. Pharmaceuticals, therapists, entertainment, wealth, intellect, selfish ambitions, food, drink, sex, anywhere but to Jesus. The weights of this world and sins of our flesh crowd out Christ and will suck 
the joy out of your life every single time. Jesus should not be an afterthought to us. He is not meant to be the ice cream after the meal. He is the meal. There may be some here today who've never trusted in Christ, have never started this race of faith. Well, today is the day for you to start running. If you hear his voice calling you, then believe in him. Submit your life to Jesus, the one who suffered and died for your sins, was raised to life and is now seated on the throne in heaven. He will one day return to judge the living and the dead and to reward those who have run the race of faith with endurance. Trust in him today and run the race of faith with us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your abundant, abundant, abundant grace in Jesus Christ, our Lord. We pray that you would use these words and that you would accomplish your purposes in each life here that Christ Jesus would be exalted in our persevering faith. In his name I pray. Amen.